playing aside, man. Why get married, Pippin? Why? So, I typed a text to a girl I used to see Saying that I chose this cutie pie with whom I want to be And I apologize if this message gets you down and Then I cc'd every girl that I'd cc round town And hate to see y'all frown, but I'd rather see her smiling Wetness all around me, true But I'm no island, peninsula maybe Makes no sense, I know crazy Give up all this that's in my lap No looking back, spaceships don't come equipped with rear view mirrors. They dip as quick as they can. The atmosphere is now ripped. I'm so like a pip. I'm glad it's night. So the light from the sun would not burn me on my bum. When I shoot the moon, high jump the broom. Like a preemie out the womb. My partner yelling too soon. Don't do it. Reconsider. Read some litter. Sure on the subject. You sure? You know we got your back like chiropractic. If that do you dirty, we'll wipe her out as in detergent now hurry hurry go on to the altar i know you ain't a pimp but pimp remember what i taught you keep your heart three stacks keep your heart hey keep your heart three stacks keep your heart man these girls are smart three stacks these girls are smart play your part play your part so we're going to talk about the ravens hiring uh, todd monkey uh to be their offensive coordinator uh, coming from georgia back to back Natty's down there uh, with Stetson Bennett at QB, the mailman. Uh, <laughs> he was a guy who um, not that many weeks ago now, might have been two, maybe maybe three weeks ago, we did that show with Cole. Where we were kind of talking about the different uh, OC candidates. And, um, you know, obviously we talked about Munkin among the other guys who were in the running there. And and I think he, he like, you know, coerced me into picking – Monken is the guy that I thought it would be. I think Chris, you picked him too, or did no? You picked EB. Yeah, picked you picked EB. EB, and I tried to ride your coattails and go EB too, um, but he, <laughs> he he pinned me down and made me <laughs> go with Monken. <laughs> and it, and you know here here he is. So you know let's let's go around the horn. I, I start with you, Kerry, because I think you made a good point about maybe taking a look back at um, what we wanted to see in an OC candidate and, and what we think we will see now from Todd Monken. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. First thing um, I want to go with something kind of non X's and O's uh, with him and just doing the research, you know, once he got announced that he was the guy, you know, just try to find whatever clips you can find. And the first thing that jumps off to me is this dude, it just seems like a really, really good communicator. And it, and it feels like there's something that's important to him. Um, it's important for him to build relationships with young young men. Um, you know, it, it seems like something that he really values. Like he values the people, parts of the job. So that's you refreshing. Say he fully integrates them into. His I, I, I would say okay. that he okay. fully <laughs> integrates. Nice. Not half integrates. You know, <laughs> not three fourth integrates. No. Fully, no, their involvement. They're fully involved right. and integrated. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you, you you show your sources are right on that, Kerry? I, I think so. I, I think I got quality sources. You know, I had a, cool, cool. not a situation where um, I hired an agent. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> the communication is clear. Got it. Got yeah, it. We got, Sorry we, to interrupt. Yeah, we got loose lips. You know, out there. <laughs> but yeah, uh, with Monk and I, I, I think that's something that jumped out to me right away is that that communication uh, skills and I, I think that's going to help a lot I think he's a guy that uh, with Lamar I think he's going to meet Lamar where he is a lot more than Lamar will have to meet him where he is um, you know just from what I gather from the way he approaches things um, you know he's going to get on Lamar's level um, as far as uh, you know being a young quarterback um, you know being a young person in general um, so you know, I really think he's going to um... – Uh-oh. Gary Freeze up on us. Damn, the sources got him. Sources got him, man. Damn. He was doing too much. He said, hey, we got <laughs> to step in and <laughs> we got to shut this down right now. <laughs> he's doing too much right now. Let's see if we can get him back in a minute or two uh, before we come over to you. Um, but that's just, that's that's how it is in this game, man. We talk about it all the time. It always feels like you know our chats might be tapped, might be bugged. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I had that that happen with uh, Coach Evans the other night. 
where he was talking about Jalen Hyatt, and then I hear it on a podcast today, and I'm like, wait a second. See what I'm saying? All right, we'll bring Carrie back in. Oh, here, let me take this one out. Here we go. You're back, right, you're man. back. The sources no, got you. No we more leaks. Yeah, no more leaks, man. I can't, I can't <laughs> let no more info. They're listening, man. They're listening. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's th- the main thing was, you know, from a non-X's and O's sense is that communication, I think, is going to serve everybody in the building well when you got a guy like that. Um, and then just kind of going back to revisit some of the things I was looking for in an OC candidate. And, you know, first thing was um, – marrying up to running the pass i think that's a check you know from the film study that we've watched that zone running game you know mixing it with that boot action using motion to um uh kind of manipulate things and sometimes it's a run sometimes it's a pass i think all those things are gonna um blend well Uh, another thing i wanted to see was um a candidate that will maximize isaiah likely that's another check you see it clearly, um, you know, on that Georgia uh, tape, um, how he moves the tight ends around. Um, and it's not just, um, you know, a traditional sense of using a, a, a tight end. You know, those guys are getting jet sweeps. They're getting moved all around the formation. Uh, they're starting off in line and then moving outside. You know, it, it's just a lot of, uh, of tricks in his bag as far as the tight end goes. And then – uh, another thing um, with the offense, I wanted to be something where we didn't have to deal with some kind of identity crisis. I think that's another check. I don't think we have to deal with identity crisis here. And I think this is going to be a situation where there's still going to be a physical downhill running team. But now you have um, the marrying of the running the pass and you have um, the potential to have an efficient and versatile passing game to complement uh, the running game. So, you know, everything as far as what I was looking for, I, I think he checks all those boxes. You know, when we did the show with Cole, uh, Zach Robinson was a guy that I liked a lot. He was kind of like my personal lean. Um, but Monken was right there um, for me. And then listening to you guys and thinking about it more, within that show, my – mind shifted and Monken became the guy that, you know, I kind of zoned in on and, you know, it, it you know, happened to come true. So uh, I think it was a, a really quality hire for the Ravens. All right, Chris, I'm going to come to you now. Um, one, just how you felt when you heard the, uh, the announcement that Monken was the guy and then two sort of what Carrie just touched on how do you think he'll line up with the things that you wanted to see? Um, so at, at first I was a little bit um I don't I don't want, I don't think discouraged is the white is the right word, but um I was holding out hope for EB. I, I'll mm-hmm. say that. So, you know, I but I always thought if it wasn't gonna be EB, if it wasn't gonna be Brian Johnson, then I, I felt like Munkin was the guy. And and I think you know, you guys really hit the nail on the head when we did that that episode with Cole, um, where you guys laid out, you know, how multiple he is and just how, how he's been able to adapt wherever he is. It's not I'm bringing my offense to where I'm going. It's I'm adapting to the personnel that I have wherever I'm going. And that's the most encouraging part about this is, someone who is able to adapt and be able to to pip, to pivot from oh yeah I have you know one of the best wide receivers in the league to you know the college game where I don't have a bona fide number one wide receiver. I, I, I don't have a Marvin Harrison Jr. But I have you know possibly one of the best tight ends to come out you know in the last decade in Brock Bowers. So I'm gonna feature him and also feature my six seven tight end as well. And for him to be able to pivot to those extremes and not have to be married and I need to have, you know, this dominant X receiver. I need to have, you know, this dominant run game. It is it's comforting to see somebody who who's able to be so flexible and and just be able to work with what they have. You know, it's it's like grandma's cooking. You know, grandma, she didn't have 
you know, the, the big old pantry, the big fancy pantry. But, you know, she has some ingredients that so she'll be able to throw up something and you knew it was going to taste good. Mm-hmm. And that's what it feels like with Munkin. Like, you know, hey, maybe it might, you know, the pantry might not be full, but he'll be able to throw something together. And with the Ravens, you know, I, I think if you ask, you know, most reasonable fans, they would say that with Lamar, with JK, with Gus, you know, Bateman, uh, Andrews, you know, that, that that's some that's some good ingredients to make some good cooking. <laughs> and you know, we know that they're just gonna add add on and, and try to attack this wide receiver position. Cause we, we've seen what they've done when they've been uh deficient at certain positions. You know, we saw it with the linebacker position, we saw when they tried to attack the, the wide receiver position in in twenty nineteen. Um, and, and I, I think we'll see them take another swing at it again at that same wide receiver position. So I think – and then when you factor in the O-line as well, that, you know, pretty much the whole O-line other than left guard is going to be intact this upcoming season. That's huge as well too. So I, I think he's going to be able to do some special things with this offense, especially, you know, if, if Lamar is there and obviously um, – but uh, I, I think it, it was a good hire. It, it, was, it was a very good hire in that sense. Yeah, I was, uh, I was pleased with it. Um, like you, I, w- I would say, I don't, I don't want to say disappointed that it wasn't EB. My disappointment with him is that he's not a head coach. And so that's not going away. I'm, I'm going to continually be disappointed. Uh, at that and the fact that you know he's only being considered for lateral jobs and sometimes not even that but that's a whole separate conversation um with Todd Monken um you guys hit on so many things and there's there's so many different ways to take it um but I I remember one of the things um that I was hoping to see in whoever they picked uh and this kind of goes a little bit to what Kerry was saying was somebody who was the best teacher they could find and who could develop the best relationships, particularly with Lamar. And when Kerry talked about the kind of communicator that, um, you know, all the reports and accounts from coaches and players about Todd Monk can say that he is. And the fact that he cares about players and developing relationships about players to me, that's like the foundation of being a good teacher, right? Can you communicate and do you care about your students? Right. Or in this case, your players. I think if you have those things foundationally, you have the opportunity to be a good teacher. So, and I think even Harbaugh had a quote about, you know, him being one of the best teachers or whatever. So that was really important for me. And then that relationship building part as well, because I think, you know, again, with all of the source off type stuff and all of the reports over the years, none of us know for sure, but, you know, you just never got the perception that the relationship between Lamar and Giro was one where, you know, you see other OC quarterback, really, you know, this might be an extreme example. We talked about Mike McDaniel and Tua. You know, you looked at that kind of relationship where the OC slash head coach uh, has total belief and total confidence in you and what that can do for the player. I'm not saying Roman didn't have total confidence. or I'm not, I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying, outwardly we didn't have to like guess at that with mcdaniel and tua right it was (laughs) it was obvious he said it with his own words um and so you know that part was really important to me too so i hopefully um that's something that we continue to see terms of the x's and o's part um one of the biggest things for me that jumped out uh because monken has an air raid background he's a guy who wants to attack down the field, right? He has a vertical passing game. And I think that lines up really well with the kind of thrower Lamar is. Lamar throws a really nice intermediate. I mean, sometimes the deep ball accuracy can be a little spotty, but he's got plenty of arm. Arm strength's not the question in terms of throwing the deep ball, but those intermediate balls, those balls that you got to drive, like say 15 to 25 yard down the field, uh, he can rip those all day long. And just having routes that are more vertical, that attack further down the field, that create more space uh, vertically and horizontally, 
um, I think are a good thing when you have the kind of running game that the Ravens have had in the past. And, you know, that's probably going to look, look a little bit different. You might not see as much gap scheme stuff with pullers uh, as we've seen under G. Rowe, although he did some, you know, Malkin did some of that at Georgia. So I'm not saying you won't see any of it, but I think you'll probably see a little bit more zone based stuff, which is kind of exciting in its own right, too, because you think about some of the guys they have in the offensive line. First guy that comes to mind is Linderbaum. You think about Tyler Linderbaum and any kind of heavy zone scheme and the kind of work that he can do with how <laughs> with how mobile he is. And then you think about Ronnie and you think about Morgan Moses and you're like, all right, we, we got some dudes who can really move. Um, you know, even Kevin Zeiler, even though, you know, he's getting a little bit up there in age, but, you know, a guy who's played in, in both schemes, all schemes. There's probably not anything <laughs> Kevin Zeidler hasn't done in terms of a run scheme in the NFL or in football. Uh, but you, you think about some of the athletes they have on the offensive line and, you know, what you can do in, in some of those, you know, a little bit more zone-heavy run schemes. So that's pretty exciting, too. Um, Carrie, you, you talked about the play action, kind of the marrying of that to the run game. We saw some of that boot action, that rollout stuff with Stetson Bennett going all the way back to the Buccaneers with um, Jameis and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, and then just the fact that, and, and Monken mentioned this himself, uh, his whole career has pretty much been working with wideouts and quarterbacks. <laughs> and so this is just a guy that just has uh, a really intimate tie to the passing game. He said it himself. He wants to throw the ball, right? Uh, it's not always, well, not maybe never something that we could really say about you. <laughs> he wants to throw it. He throw it. We really want it to throw the ball. So that's kind of a nice compliment because we know they can run the ball. That's been well established. And we know Harbaugh, um, there was this article in The Athletic by, uh, what's his name, uh, Seth Emerson, uh, that talked about Monk and going to Georgia and kind of the transformation of their offense. Because he said, Kirby Smart, you know, defensive guy, right? Defensive coach. And his thing was, we're going to be a defensive team. We're going to run the ball. We're going to play action. And, you know, Monken didn't come in and say, nah, we're going full Mike Leach air raid on you. Forget all that. (laughs) They still were kind of true to who they were philosophically, but he kind of gradually changed some of the things that they did offensively, right? Let's just kind of mix in a little bit of this. Let's mix in a little bit of that. It's about having that feel for what to call and when to call it instead of just coming in and saying, nah, get this out of here. We're doing this (laughs) a whole different way. Um, and that kind of lines up with John Harbaugh in a lot of ways because you can't tell me that he doesn't think that. I want to be a defensive team. I want to run the ball. We can throw it. We can throw it off play action. I think that's what he's always believed. I think he still believes it. Uh, I'm not saying that this hire shows that he's changed his mind, but I think what it could show, aside from a conspiracy theory I have on that, but I keep that to myself, I think what it could show <laughs> is that he understands that we have to adapt, right? Obviously, the goal is to keep Lamar, get him signed to a long-term deal. We need to adapt to allow Lamar to be the best that he can be and sort of uncap, unlock that other part, that other dimension in his game that we know is there, but it's kind of had like a little bit of a governor on it, like a limiter on it. And we kind of need to take that off and be able to put that pedal all the way down to the floor and see where this thing can go. Um and so I think he kind of realizes and acknowledged that with this hire, uh, if I keep my conspiracy theory out of it. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot to be excited about with it. Again, it's all on paper right now. You know, we'll, we'll know when they step on the grass and start doing real football stuff um, and, and, and in, are in a game <laughs> against an opponent, you know, kind of what it's really going to look like and what it's really going to be. But, you know, right now we're in that that hopeful time of the year, right, where it's it's cool to be excited about it and to think the best about all of it. And it can it can only be good. It can it cannot be bad at this time of the year. There's nothing (laughs) about it. That's how you're supposed to feel this time of year. Um, What else? I told you I was going to forget. What else did we, we there's something we said we wanted to talk about? I knew. Well, we did the revisiting thing. We said we wanted to revisit what we thought and we did that. Was there something else, or was that it? Um, what, what was, uh, like, what was something that we wanted from the hire? Like, what, okay. like, what did, like, like for me, what I wanted was somebody who was going to be able to be multiple, okay, and 
force defenses to cover every blade of grass on the field. And uh, I, I think with a guy like Munkin, you you get somebody who does that, who will, you know, it's, it's not going to be, you know, a whole bunch of condensed stuff. You know, he's going to spread some teams out. He's going to attack you vertically. vertically. He's going to attack you, you know, horizontally. Shoot, he's shown a bunch that he'll be able to, you know, uh, he'll scheme up some things to, uh, for swing passes to the running backs. Yeah, um, we looked at that play just the other day. The little, yeah. That little play, that tunnel screen of uh, Kenny McIntosh. It doesn't get any simpler. Motion yeah. him out, throw it to him, block for him, touchdown. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't get any simpler than that. And we were saying, hey, sometimes the most sophisticated offense is the simplest thing. Who's your playmakers? Let's find a way to get them the ball in space and let yeah. it go. And, and I, I was watching the, the Falcons game, the first game that he coached, that he called plays for the, uh, for the Buccaneers. And he kept going right to uh, Doug Martin. You know, the Falcons were not covering it, and he was just throwing little swing passes to him. And he, hey, if you can't stop it, then I'm just gonna keep doing it. And he he did that. And and you know those it, it was I forgot how bad those Bucks offensive lines were. Uh, they were terrible. Like they were trying to run the ball and they couldn't. And what he was doing to just kind of, you know, help, like to, to step in and for the run game, he was just dumping those little swing passes off to kind of substitute for the run game since the offensive line was so terrible. And, uh, you know, I, I like that. You know, hey, if this isn't working, we can go to this to, to substitute for it, to kind of act as the run game, whereas you'll see other offensive uh, minds just – you know, all right, it's going to work. We're going to break one. We're going to break one. Or they'll just go completely off the rails and like, all right, we got to start throwing it all over the place. We got to throw it <laughs> downfield. We got to do this. We got to do that. And he just took it simple. Like, all right, let's try the little dump off. And if it works, we keep going to the well. And, and you know, I, I like that. You know, there's, there's no need to get overly fancy or overly cute and, and overthink things. It's, you know, just take what works, see what the defense gives you, and just, you know, go with that. That was something else that uh, Seth Emerson mentioned in that article, because I think it goes back to last year. It was before the start of this season. And he talked about that point that you just made about not panicking and not totally getting away um, from the stuff that you do. Being able to adapt and adjust, but not being like, hey, throw out everything and right. let's now go do this. Um, he, he specifically mentioned the SEC championship game against Alabama, where Alabama beat them. And they said, look, coming out of that game could have been a panic situation. Could have been, hey, man, we got to go with something totally different because Alabama exposed us. They showed this. They showed that. And he said, no, they didn't do that. They didn't panic at all. And he, I think Munkin said himself, that really started with Kirby Smart. Like his messaging was consistent. He was the same guy. He didn't get angry, going crazy, yelling. You know, you're just like, hey, man, we know we're better than that. We know if we really do what we do and play to our standard, we can beat that team. And then they came back in the championship game and they did it. So, I like that when you can kind of have that calmness, even when you have some adversity, even when you lose a game, a big game like that, a conference championship game, be easy to say, hey, if we got to face these guys again, we got to be totally, totally different. And, you know, they they didn't think that. So I think one thing I wanted to mention, I did have this jotted down because I think I've seen some people kind of question it a little bit because that some of those stops that he's had, his NFL stops, obviously he was calling the plays in Georgia, but some of his NFL stops, they talked about Tampa, where he wasn't always the play caller. He might have had the offensive coordinator title, but he wasn't always the play caller. Same thing with Cleveland. He had the offensive coordinator title, but he wasn't the play caller. I don't think that's as much a reflection on him as it is just what the situation was. Tampa Bay, Dirk Cutter, you know, he's an offensive coach. He wanted to call plays. <laughs> and so you're on the staff. You know, you want the job, but you come in kind of knowing, hey, I'm probably going to call the plays. Obviously, it's going to be a collaborative thing, but that's kind of my baby. You know, you know how some of these offensive coaches who become head coaches are. That's kind of their baby. They can't let it go. And I'd say the same thing with Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland. He had been a play caller, and he's like, hey, now I'm the head guy. I'm not going to let that go. Um, so I think it was that, from what I read, it was that final season in Tampa Bay, that 2018 season. was the season. And even that season, Cutter kind of gave him the play calling uh, duties, then he took it back, and then gave it back to him. It was kind of like flip flopping back and forth. But I think he had it for most of that season, 
and they led the league in passing that year and were top 10, maybe top five in overall offense too that year. So I don't think when I've seen some people kind of say, well, how come he keeps, you know, kind of getting the play calling duties pulled away? I think that had more to do with the head coaches who, who wanted to keep their baby, quote unquote, you know, <laughs> instead of any kind of negative thing uh, about mocking. Because you saw him go to Georgia and I know it was college, but you didn't have any of that there. There wasn't any, you know, back and forth because you had a defensive head coach. So Kirby Smart was bored and happy to say, hey, now nah, you run that. I'm going to run my defense. You do your thing over there. So I don't know that I would put a lot of stock into some of that stuff that I've seen people, you know, kind of question um, about him. And I think that'll be the case for him here. I don't think you're going to see John Harbaugh, you know, taking over any kind of play calling duties or anything like that. I think he's going to say, hey, man, this is your shop. You know, you run it. You know, obviously he's going to have his thing with, you know, fourth down decisions, go, no go, stuff like that. But uh, I think that's one thing you can say about Harbaugh. He pretty much let his coordinators run their shops and, you know, he kind of does the CEO type thing. Uh, Carrie, is there anything else that, or did you already speak to the stuff that I, th- I thought you spoke to the stuff that you said you wanted to see? Yeah. Yeah. I hit, hit, um, you know, everything that I wanted to hit. And, you know, one thing I'll say, t- uh, about that situation, uh, with dirt, uh, cutter in Tampa Bay, every time dirt cutter, uh, took the play call in bat, their offense never scored any points. <laughs> and then he'd give it back to Monk and then they'll score points. And then some, somehow he would decide to take it back again and then then they would, wouldn't score points again. They just kept doing that. I remember that season, so I remember that pretty vividly that you know, he wasn't very good at his job. So. <laughs> and even before Munkin was an offensive coordinator, he'd been a wide receivers coach at a lot of stops, but obviously if you're a wide receivers coach, you're, you're going to have some interaction with quarterbacks too. Those two position groups are going to be working together pretty closely. We kind of chatted about this uh, earlier today. He's been around some guys. I mean, going back to his college stops, he's been around Charlie Batch at Eastern Michigan. He's been around Luke McCown at Louisiana. Uh, That Jacksonville stop, that was David Garrard. I didn't even remember that. It was Jacksonville years. That was David Garrard at QB. Um, Obviously, we talked about Tampa with with Jameis and and Fitzpatrick, and then we saw it at Georgia. Um, Mostly Stetson Bennett, but I guess he had a little bit of JT Daniels there, too. But that's just the quarterbacks. But then, like I said, he was a wide receiver coach, and there's a long list of wide receivers that he's worked <laughs> with. You can you some of the biggest names, even you know, we talked about Justin Blackman a little bit, even guys who you know had some off the field stuff and you know maybe couldn't quite get everything together. But uh, he's coached a whole bunch of different wide receivers. We were talking about that Tampa team and what a group that was uh, in 2018 with Mike Evans and Djax, um, Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard before he started to really have injuries. And um, I think even one of the earlier years, Chris, you showed a clip of uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins mm-hmm. was down there. So, I mean, they it can break, you know, who, you know, kind of gets slept on a little bit, but he, he did numbers uh, at tight end, you know, for the Bucks. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's definitely had a bunch of different guys. One thing you kind of see is a lot of bigger body guys. Obviously, tight ends are going to be bigger bodies. But I mean, even wide receivers, a lot of dudes over six foot, a lot of dudes right around 200 pounds, a couple smaller dudes in there. We talked about Adam Humphreys a little bit, but when you look back at some of his spots, even LSU, Dwayne Bowe, maybe a better rapper than wide receiver, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, had him down there. Jamarcus Russell was the quarterback. He's just had a lot of bigger body guys. So I don't know if that means anything. That could just be coincidence. I mean, I don't know how much he was recruiting, you know, guys when he was in college. I mean, I'm sure he was doing it to some extent. Um, and probably had some say so in the NFL in terms of draft and stuff like that, but could be something to, to keep an eye on, you know, in, in this draft and in the free agency acquisition process, what are the body types, you know, that they bring in? And I think we all have kind of talked about wanting to see maybe some bigger body types just uh, because it's, it's sort of, you know, uh, something they don't have right now on the roster, but you know, that might be something that he kind of likes to see in his wide receivers anyway. So, you know, Hey, shoot. You can get Mike Evans here or Chris Cowan here <laughs> or Nuke here or DJ Chark here. <laughs> As you know, I don't think anybody uh, is, is <laughs> kick you out of the bed for eating crackers on that one. You can <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I think we would love to see it. So I think it's exciting, man. I, 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 I was saying that, you know, the thing for me, like the top top of the list thing for me is just 
get it figured out with Lamar, whatever that is. Get it figured out because this just feels like a really good offense for him to really kind of showcase. Like you could see like ceiling Lamar in this because I don't even think we've seen ceiling Lamar in the MVP season. I think that was just young. I'm still just the baddest MF in the league. <laughs> you, you know what? I, I think the, the closest we've seen to the ceiling Lamar is that Colts game. Yeah. that That's what I think is – that's where I think the ceiling is with him, yeah. is that Colts game because we saw him just be able to throw that, that ball all over the field and, and just take over. And, and, you know, when you go back to that game, it just – it looked like he was playing free. It looked like he was playing, having fun. And, you know, that's something that we've talked about multiple times is just these dudes having fun. You know, it's it's a game. At, at the end of the day, it's a game. Like, I know there's billions of dollars on the line, millions of dollars. And, you know, this is how you feed your families and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, when you hear guys talk about, you know, them having fun again and them being able to just go out there and play freely, that's that's ultimately what they want to do. That's ultimately why they played this game is because it was fun. And, you know, that's not just for Lamar. That's for the wide receivers because we've seen it for years now where it just looked like the wide receivers were not having fun. Yeah. And think, you, think about Hollywood. Hollywood's got to be looking at this. This is like that uh, that Tito and Michael Jackson clip. They looking at Randy like, <laughs> like oh, damn, this could have been me. I could have been playing in this offense which has probably got a lot of the same principles that Cliff had in his, but I could be playing with my boy, you know, instead I'm out here with, you know, my cousin who ain't trying to do right. But <laughs> <laughs> so he's even got to be looking at it like, yeah, damn, I could have still been there playing in this. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think, you know, that's a great game to cite as what, you know, the ceiling possibly could be. And you could see him having fun because he's a quarterback and quarterbacks want to throw the ball. You know, obviously he can run. We know that. But he is a quarterback, and quarterbacks want to throw the ball, and they want to throw the ball down the field, and they want to throw touchdowns. So I think, you know, some of what played out there was necessitated by the game script, right? They fell down. They had to come back. But you could see him in that situation where, hey, we've got to throw it around. We've got to throw to score. Like Todd Monka said, we got to throw to win. He looked right at home and showed that he was more than capable uh, – of doing, I know the Colts had some cornerback injuries throughout that game, but hey, you know, the NFL happens, people get hurt. Um, but I, that's like I said, so that's the top of the list thing for me because I just would hate to have had this amazing, amazing talent finally have an offense where we get to potentially see, you know, the fully loaded battleship version of Lamar Jackson and then not get to see it. Like that would just be. I mean, it would it would be such a Ravens thing to happen, but a Ravens fan thing. <laughs> but that would just be a terrible, terrible thing to happen. So, uh, I really hope they get something figured out. Of course, they can use the tag. They they have that, you know, as an option. But that that probably is not, you know, great for the relationship. So, I would love for them to get, you know, a long term deal too, where both people feel like, hey, we kind of got some of what we wanted. Maybe neither side gets everything that they want. But both sides feels like they got, you know, something that they wanted as opposed to somebody where it's more one sided. Right. Where they feel like, man, I I got no control over this It's making me, you know, look, not trying to play the violin. They're making me take forty five million (laughs) dollars. I get it. This is a lot of money. It's the worst things in the world for sure. Um, But you just want that relationship to be amicable. Right. They ain't got to be buddy, buddy. But, you know, you want it to be a good professional relationship and not one where there's like resentment there, you know, cause that, that just spills over, you know, and that it's, it's hard to keep that from entering your play and entering the locker room and just bad vibes, negative vibes. Like, like Bateman said, we don't want no negative vibes. No, no negative good vibes. vibes. Good vibes. No negative vibes. Yeah. <laughs> so, Hey, I think we're all excited about it. I think that's the takeaway here. I think, you know, you can hear that we're all kind of looking forward to it. And um, anything else we want to say about Monken before we get up out of here? Hey, one thing I will say, next year, in in situations where they move the pocket, it might actually work this time. 
Because there's I, a lot of things that might actually work <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work in the past. You know, screens, moving the pocket. You know, there's there's all maybe even a QB sneak. Who knows? All kinds of things that could look better uh, than than they have in the past. Yeah, it's, it's um, and it, it's kind of got me excited for some um, some prospects too, uh, where. You know, under you know the last uh, OC, it, I, I would think of, I would get excited about certain wide receivers, and I'd be like, "Yeah, but it's it's, it's just him. not gonna work. Yeah, he's not gonna, not gonna work." But now, <laughs> I'm. It's like, you know, the the clouds have parted, and the sun. I can see the sun shining, mm-hmm. and it's like, all right, I could, I can see this fit now, and I can see it working now. So it, it's gonna be fun to to have those lenses on during this. Is draft season and, and be able to look at at players and and you know actually see them in roles where they can be utilized and, and you know the, the proper way. Yeah, you you can see all the possibilities. You don't have to limit anything. There's no yeah buts. Yeah. There's no looking at Jalen Hyatt and saying yeah, but they're not going to know how to use him. No looking at Quentin Jefferson and saying nah, they're not going to be able to set him up for. Oh, just yeah, bring bring these dudes in here. Can can we use a dude who can run? Absolutely. Can we use a big dude who can run? Like a Mike Evans, body type? Not saying he's that player. Mike Evans, body type? Yeah, absolutely we can use that guy. So, you know, again, like it's Jalen Hyland, D-Jax, absolutely we can use that guy. Could you see Bateman as the Chris Godwin role in this offense? Absolutely we could use that guy. So I think it's all the, on the table. The, no, wait, wait. I don't want you to stop there. Who's the Humphreys, Mike? Oh, okay. Crochet. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be James Prochet, right? <laughs> Little quick slot dude, you know, different color, but you know, same effect. <laughs> same effect. That's that's what I do when I look at these old offenses, whether it's him at Georgia. The Georgia one is easy, right? Because of the tight ends. Everybody looks at that and just okay. You see, uh, Bowers, Washington. I forget the third dude's name. Arik something. Yeah. And it's easy, right? Andrew's likely cold, right? This is, doesn't take a whole lot of creativity <laughs> to see that. But when you look back at some of those Bucks offenses, that's what you can kind of do. You can say, all right, I don't really have the Mike Evans body type. Um, Bateman and Gowan. Gowan might be a little bulkier um, than than Bateman, but, you know, kind of the way they used him is kind of the Z moving him around. You can kind of see that. The D-Jacks with a guy like Jalen Hyde or even, um, I mean, he's on the team now, Devin Duvernay. You know, fast dude, maybe a little more rocked up, not 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 you know, speed. It his speed looks different than Jalen Hyatt's than Jalen uh, Jalen Hyatt. Uh, I can't get his name out. Jalen Hyatt's uh, speed. I know Duvernay ran fast. I forget what he ran at the combine. It was four fours, I think. Um, so he's fast. It was a four three. It was a four four. I think it, it might have been four three. Yeah. So he's fast. But it's a little bit different. It just looks different, right? Than than the way Hyatt's looks. When he runs, just like Djax, I mean, we saw that. Now he was old man Djax, but we got a chance to see him on on the Ravens team this year with Devin Duvernay briefly, briefly. Well, no, did they? Were they? Did they ever? Or was Duvernay hurt by the time Djax was here? I can't remember. But it just it, when you watch him, it looks different, right? You know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah. du- Duvernay a four three nine. Okay. So, yeah, and, and people are thinking, you know, Hyatt might be a low 4-3 guy. I don't think I've seen anybody say 4-2s, but I, I do think. But you never know. We had a couple couple dudes, well, yeah, what, three dudes who went into 4-2s last year. Tyree Woolen went. Um, the other dude who went to the Patriots. There was like two dudes uh, from Thornton. Thornton. Yeah, Thornton, yeah. and then there was, there was a DB from Baylor. Yeah, the cornerback, I think. Uh, I forgot his so, name. I mean, apparently, if you get that, and they all train with XPE. Apparently, if you get with XPE, you run four two. So maybe uh, I don't. I don't know who Jalen is working with. <laughs> but, you know, you go down there, you crack that four two. But anyway, I don't get us off on like a crazy tangent. Just to your point of not having to do the yeah but thing with wide receivers now, you can just truly look at them and say, okay, I can see all of the possibilities for how they could be used in this offense now, as opposed to. They're probably going to be gunners. <laughs> I don't think anybody's looking at those guys and thinking they're going to be gunners now. You know, it's got to look as happy as we are. 
Think about that wide receiver room. Those dudes got to be like, oh, my God. Like, some of them are probably thinking, I wish it wasn't in, you know, like the end of time. But no, maybe you do wish it is, it's in a contract year because you get a chance to do some numbers. So he could be really good for, I think, Duvernay is in a contract year, right? This is last year. Uh, I believe so. Because I think Hillman yeah. Pro came in together. So I think they're going into their last year. Thailand. Yeah, that, like that was the COVID year. Yeah, Thailand. So twenty twenty. He's got some time left. But um, hey, you know I've been digging the Thailand thing because I'm like, hey, got the Oklahoma State thing, right? Monkey was there. Now they didn't cross over, but Mike Gundy, you know, he was he was an OC under Mike Gundy. So all of the same principles are there. You know what I'm saying? So this could, this could be a good Thailand could be like, look, I know all these plays. <laughs> I already know <laughs> these plays. So I'm, just, I'm, I'm gonna keep my thoughts to myself. I know. I know. <laughs> hey, people gonna say you're drinking the Kool Aid. That's fine. Like I said, this is the time of year to drink the Kool Aid. <laughs> no, because you know, you know, with Thailand is personal. Yeah. So you know, I I, I don't want to I don't want to go off the way uh, OBJ's dad went off. So uh... <laughs> it worked though. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should do that. Hey, let's let's see let's see what Munkin got, and if not, he'll he'll be uh, he'll be in the in the crosshairs of my my Instagram. <laughs> he he got, to, he got to look out for the Oklahoma State homie. I mean, they 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 got that. I don't know what their little symbol is that they do that. They 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 gotta have that in common. They both from Oklahoma State fam. So I was I was thinking about that today because I you know me I. I'll, I'll make a connection, even if I can't actually find a way. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he was at Oklahoma State with Mike Gundy. He's like, yeah, but he had nothing to do with that market. Doesn't matter. Talking <laughs> coach for, for Gundy. Same deal. So I'm, I'm excited for him and all of those guys. Uh, yeah. I feel like there's going to be a lot of opportunity for them. And uh, Man, if we could just get this Lamar thing cleared up, and there's still plenty of time to do it, we could uh, we could really be feeling Good going into this 2023 season. But, hey, we got the draft coming up. We got, well, before that, NFL free agency. So there's, you know, the round-the-clock NFL calendar, you know, never stops anymore. There's always stuff happening. Um, we got the combine. combine. Combine's coming to what? This Couple month? Couple weeks. Couple weeks. Couple end weeks, yeah. End of February. So we'll get all excited about dudes running around and jumping. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good time. <laughs> and then uh, you have free agency after that. And then the draft after that. So yeah, this thing just keeps rolling, man. Um, and, you know, we'll continue to, to tap in and, and, and do shows when, you know, when it's a, when it's appropriate, you know, when there's, there's things to talk about. Um, I know the draft is probably going to give us a lot of opportunities to, to do some things. And I guess Caddy's been picking up lately, right? He's, he's still maybe not all yeah. the guys that you want to see, but he's been churning out, you know, some videos. So, you know, hey, Chris might be getting ready to drop another prospect watch. You never know. Yeah. Um, I didn't get any work at done because I was cutting up some films today. So <laughs> while I was at work. <laughs> oh, so it's coming. All right. So I can tease it. I can tease it's it a little bit. Uh, it's, it's definitely going to be before the combine. That's okay. for sure. And this is wide receivers? Wide receivers. I, I think I'm settled in on the top five, maybe six. Okay. Oh, yeah. I can't I wait to I'm, see I this. think I'm settled in. I'm okay. finally settled in. There's times where I wake up and I'm like, nah, I shouldn't have him at number one. <laughs> <laughs> it changes. I know the field. You've, you've heard me all along about DBs. I mean, early on, you would have thought that uh, Kylie Ringo was like, God could do no wrong. <laughs> then it was Riley Moss. And then it was Emmanuel Forbes. And then it was Joey Porter. And then it was Christian Gazzotti. <laughs> so it's like every time I watch another guy, it's like, no, no, no. This is the best guy. I know I said that other guy was the best guy. No, no, forget that. This guy is now the best guy. <laughs> but, hey, it's, it's a, I, I say it every year. It's, it's a living, breathing organism. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just, oh, this is, yeah. this is it. Like, no, we're constantly getting information. Our views are constantly changing. You know, it's like it's like um like on Cassidy's first album where he battled himself in the intro. You know, it was Cassidy the hustler versus uh Cassidy the problem. 
And you kind of got to do that to yourself. Like, all right, I like Jalen Hyatt, but this, you know, these are also the negatives of Jalen Hyatt. And you kind of got to battle yourself. And then once, you know, you, you kind of cross pollinate with other people who you, you trust and, and you value their opinions. It's like, Oh yeah. But you know, he could have this kind of usage, you know, like, like I said, I tweeted about coach Evans this morning where he was talking about uh, Christian Watson's usage and how you can use Jalen Hyatt in the same way. And I didn't even think of it like that. And it's like, Oh yeah. thing, you know, the light bulb goes off because you have that conversation with somebody else. So it's not like, Oh, you know, this is, these are my rank. I watched film. These are my rankings in December, and this is how it's going to be. Now it's it's always moving and and, and evolving. Yeah, because so much of it is about fit, which you don't know. You know, you can you can look at some of the traits and say, okay, well, if they go to this situation and there's ABC, then I can see an opportunity for them to have success in year one or maybe year two. You know, whatever it is, and then it's also just the way that people want to see things because I like the way that coach Evans framed that. But then there's people who say, ah, but that Tennessee offense, I think it was Bucky Brooks who was talking about, I've seen that offense before. looks like Baylor. looks like our Bryles looks like Corey Coleman. Maybe that's who he is. So it all depends on how you want to see it, you know? So I think you're right. You are battling yourself and you're trying to see it in terms of strengths and weaknesses. You certainly don't want to be one-sided with it. Right. Right. Um, you know, you want to be balanced, but you know, it's, it is tough because there's some of those narratives that can really get stuck. It's like what I was telling you guys with the time market stuff. I didn't want to read any of that stuff. I didn't want to look at any of the other videos until I watched it for myself because it's like inception. Once that idea gets in there, you start thinking it's yours. It's not yours it came from somewhere else, but now it's stuck in your head and it clouds. It, it's almost like you're looking to confirm it now, right? Cause somebody has told you, Oh yeah. He plays in that Baylor-style offense. They got those wide splits. Those guys never get touched off the line. Everything is easy. Those guys are bums, though. Go look back at any wide receiver that came out of Big 12. Garbage. None of them's ever been any good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So now you're watching it. Like, if you've heard all of that or you've read that stuff, and now you start watching it, you're like, oh, yeah, see, there it is. Look at those splits. Oh, look, nobody's touching them. Well, look how easy that is. Yeah, you're right. He's just like those other guys. So that's the hardest thing for me is trying to keep bias you can't keep it out. Yeah. Right? Try to get some of it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what it boils down to is like the quicker you can identify where, where your bias is, the better. Um, like I'm looking at receivers and I'm looking at, you know, trying to recognize my biases and um, causing me to artificially want to be into other people. Like I start, I, I won't say the name of the receiver because I'm not going to put them out there like that. But, you know, I, I had to check my bias. Like I'm, I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, damn, I would really like this guy to be somebody I would be into. And I turned on the game and I'm like, nah, this ain't it. This dude ain't good. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not finna sit here and do this. And then I had to check myself like, okay, I'm artificially trying to push this dude into a position because of my bias instead of looking at it for what it is. And so, it's something I had to like, you know, just check myself on. And it's going to be tough with receiver because, you know, Chris has said this multiple times, man. It's it, it's tough to parse out these receivers, man. It, it, it's really difficult. Like, wide receiver one could be a, a different guy, you know, every couple of days, honestly. Um, but, you know, if you can try to get your bias out of it and look at what they can do um, as opposed to what they can't do, and then see how that um, fits into a system. Um, I, I think that's that's when you're gonna really get your answer. I wish I could bottle it so that I could use it every time because I very rarely can do it. Sometimes I can do it, and then I'm like, man, if I could just do that with every prospect, like I could do it with Rishi Rice. I did it with Rishi Rice because I heard all of the stuff, I saw all of the clips, and then I watched him, and I was just like, nah, I don't see it. <laughs> that's why like even when i did my little quick top 10 i left a bunch of names out anyway but i had intentionally not had because i was like i i just don't see it the way that everybody else sees it number one i knew he wasn't that tall i could just look at him until he wasn't that tall <laughs> so there's no way that dude is 6'3 and it wasn't just looking at it, let me be honest when i watched the game from last year against houston and saw him next to pepe 
I was like, there's no way this dude is 6'3". <laughs> it's not possible. Because I know how tall Pepe is now. Like, I got his official measurement. And I was like, he's only a little bit above, you know, Pepe in terms of, like, where his head was. It's like where I saw this picture recently. Uh, I think they were at an award something, some kind of banquet of uh, Tony Dungy and, and Bryce Young. I was like, that dude is five nine. Now I think a lot of people already know that about him. And I'm like, he's definitely five. Because Tony's listed as six as six foot. I think I think Bryce Young is several inches below Tony Dungy. <laughs> but anyway, I just could just with Rice, I was like, all right, so the height thing, that's that's whatever. It's not like heights everything. But then just watching him, I was just like, he doesn't really separate. I was like, when you watch his film, they create the separation for him in that offense. He doesn't really do it a lot on his own. But when he has to win the ball, he's a ball winner. He can do that now. If you get the body on him, you know, most of the time he's going to be able to find a way to position himself, to out jump, to box you out, to be more physical. However he does it, he's going to find a way to win the ball. So that's kind of what I expected going into the senior bowl. I was like, I hope I see more separation. I don't expect to see a lot, but then I do expect to see him still be a ball winner. And I think he showed that. I think he showed in some of the one-on-ones. Yeah, he didn't separate a lot, but if it was an accurate ball, he still found a way to come down with it, and then particularly in the red zone. That's another thing. I was like, he'll be good down there because when he can do what he does best in a tight, confined area, and he really is going to come down to, hey, it ain't about space here. It's about who wanted more. I think he's going to be fine in that situation. So it wasn't like I disliked him, but I just didn't see what some of the hype that I had read. I was like, hmm. Yeah, we see that he, he was but, getting first round buzz. Yeah, but I can't on. do that. I can't do that consistently. Like, did I go to Jalen Hyatt? I'm like, no, no, no. This is this is good. <laughs> this is good. And I was back and forth because, like I said, I you're asking like, was he sudden? And I'm like, well, it's somewhere in between this dude and in between this other dude. But then the more you watch it, you're just like, well, I don't know, but it looks like it's pretty damn good. <laughs> it looks like and I think I showed uh Slade at Big Play Receiver friend of the show. I showed him a clip. I'll have to show you guys. It was uh I want to say it was in the Florida game. I think it was in the Florida game. And he didn't even get targeted. It was just a route. But it was the way that he separated at the top of the route. And granted, DB had outside leverage and he broke inside. So it ain't like he had to do a super, super lot. But he moved more at the top of the route than I thought he could. Right. I'm thinking he's very linear. It's going to be hard for him to change direction at the top of the route. And I saw that and I was like, okay, now he set this dude up and then snapped it off. So I'm like, all right, that's enough. If you can do that, then I'm good. If you show me you can do that and you can do that consistently, then I'm good. Goes, post, comebacks. That's it. I don't need you to do anything else. <laughs> you ain't got to do a whole lot of option type routes. You ain't got to show me a whole lot of wiggle. Just show me that you can do that kind of thing consistently at the top of that route so that let's say somebody does sit on the post. They do sit on the go. They do sit on the comeback, but you still can find a way to create just enough of separation at the top. Then I'm good. And I think that I'm still good with him. Am I good with him at number 12? That's a different story. (laughs) (laughs) But I think I am good with him in the first round. It would probably be later yep. in the first round, but I think I am good with him in the first round. Yeah, I, I think so too. When you have a, a trump card like that, and then you factor in his ability to track the ball and and how good his hands are, it's like if Will Fuller could go in the first round, why can't this dude? You know, like I, I Will Fuller, his hands were shaky, 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 and um, you know he. Probably, you know, was on the outside a little bit more, dealt with a little bit more more physicality than Jalen Hyatt did. Wasn't as schemed up as as Jalen was. But like I said, like I've been saying, you can't fault him for his OC being able to scheme him, scheme him up and make things simple for him. I mean, you, you can't fault him yeah. with that. And um, I think he catches the ball well. I don't, I don't well. think, yeah, I don't, he, he ain't like Quentin Johnson. He ain't out there battling that thing. He, Man. <laughs> he catches it. He catches it. With, but even with Quentin, I'm like, hey, you know what? You fighting this thing like you're a boxer and the ball is, is, is trying to knock you out. <laughs> and you, you battling with this thing. But when you have that kind of body type, sometimes you're almost just like, all right, man, just basket catch that thing, trap it. I do whatever you got to do, just hold on to it. And even with with that, with Quentin Johnson, um, because that like that thing, like 
that's something where I see a, a wide receiver do it. I'm like, oh hell no. Yeah, it's like, Rashad Perryman. That's what it reminds and, me of. It was like, and, um, that's not good. But it's it's like it, it you see it work. Like I was watching the game today and uh he caught one over the middle and the the cornerback was right there and it's like it worked. Like, you know, it's not it's not ideal, but Damn it, it works sometimes. Like it, it works, you know, in big situations. And would I like to see him, you know, take his hands out and and catch it like Cedric Tillman? Of course I would. But also take the good with the bad because then you have those highlight plays where he's making Willie Mays catches in the end zone to win yeah. the game. Yeah. So it's it's like, you know, it, it, it's. It, I mean, if he could catch the ball that way, he'd be a top ten pick. Absolutely. But when we're talking about 22, hey, you know, I I, I can live with that. Yeah. You know, I can live with that. When you look at the physical attributes and and the playmaking ability that he has when the ball is in his hand, you know, I, I'll take, you know, him hugging on the football every time it, it comes his way. Yeah. I mean, I th- it's like you said, you, you, you kind of evaluate everything. And that's a known. You know that's what you're going to get with him there are going to be times where he drops the ball because he doesn't have consistent hand technique. That That's part of the deal, right? We know we're going to get that. You saw a little bit of that with Bateman in Minnesota. You knew that there was going to be some drops occasionally with him. His stuff wasn't so much about technique. It was just concentration drops. And he still has them from time to time. But then he'll make spectacular catches. <laughs> You're like, oh, my God, how did he catch that? So I think it's just one of those things where – I think people look at wide receivers and they look at drops and they treat it like it's an all or nothing kind of thing, like it's a zero something. And sometimes it's like, look, you're just going to have to live with a certain amount of that with certain guys. It's, yeah. it's just the reality of, it, you know, you, you'd like it not to be the case. You'd like what was that the season new cad where he didn't drop a ball all year or whatever. Sure, you, you would love to have that, but that's just not the reality of things. And so I think as long as you evaluate the guys, like you said, and you kind of say, Hey, look, here are the strengths, here are the weaknesses so that you're, you're not leaving that part out. Right. Like with JSN, you say, okay, I don't know that he has top level speed, right? Great route runner catches the ball. Well, but is he, you know, going to run away from a bunch of people? Probably not, but I'll say this and I'll put it on the record. I think he runs under four or five at the combine. I think he's high four fours. Might be four 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 eight four four nine, but I think he runs under four five. I think he's going to surprise some people because I think a lot of people think he's like a mid four fives, maybe even a four six. I've seen some people say, "I think he's going to run upper four fours." I like it. So I like it. And he runs a four six. People can pull this clip out. <laughs> freezing cold, freezing cold. Take me. <laughs> say what the hell is this dude talking about? <laughs> Everybody said all year that dude was going to run. You know, four, was going to run four, five, four, six. He talking about high four, four. <laughs> it's just what I believe. You look at that Ohio State program, and you look at how those guys have run. You know the previous guys that have come through there before him, and I know he's not those guys. He's not Alave. He's not Wilson. But those guys, they know how to train for the combine. <laughs> and so I, it may not be his real speed. He may not be 4-4, four, four, but I'm just saying that the combine, I think he's going to run in the high 4-4s. Four, that may not be his play speed, but I think they're going to train in a way to do it, you know, unless you believe Todd McShay that he's faking the hamstring. And... <laughs> if, 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 if McShay was watching tape, if he was, which I doubt he is, <laughs> he would watch the Notre Dame game of yeah, uh, this past limping, season. Limping around. <laughs> and it, there's like a quarter or two where he's you can see him limping around. And there's a specific play where he makes a catch over the middle and he tries to accelerate and you can just see like his body tense up. Yeah. And he's like, ooh, no. And then after that, <laughs> you shut know, it down. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't shut it down. And um it's just to go on national TV and say that type of bullshit is just, yeah, it's so damn dumb. And yeah. to, to to attack a kid like that who was obviously playing when he was injured, mm-hmm. you know, injured, not hurt, injured, right? And a a dude who's you know his draft stock is on the line and he's still out there playing on this messed up hammy 
that was messed up before he came into the game. Because yep. he was dealing with this in the beginning of the season. Yeah, he could have shut it down early, just not even played in the game. Yep. Right. And then, then he came back, and then he took, like, the weirdest hit, like, one of the weirdest hits. Where yeah, I remember his, that one. That thing yeah, was crazy. His leg was planted, and his head was bent, and the, the Notre Dame defender just, like, laid him out. And it, it was an ugly hit, but that, that's what re-aggravated the injury. But he still played. Like, he still kept going even after that hit and after he re-aggravated the hammy. So for Todd McShay to do that, it just confirmed what I've always thought, is that he ain't shit. Yeah. Some of these guys, like, you have this platform. And on this case, I don't think he knows what the hell he's talking about. But you have these platforms, and maybe you have some sources. Like, I think about that Orlovsky dude with Justin Fields. Oh, I hear he's the last one in, the first one out. Maybe you even do have some sources, even though I think you probably don't. But let's say that you do. You have this platform. You don't have to say everything you know. You look at Dane. Dane knows a whole bunch of stuff, and he that's can say he, a whole lot of stuff, but he never says it. Yep, that's why he's the best. Because yep, he he, yeah. he he'll hear something, and you you can see in his tone. Oh yeah, he don't even say. Up. There's some other reasons, but and mm-hmm. if leave it, that. <laughs> yep. leave it at that. But that's the difference between a professional. And then these amateurs that Orlovsky doesn't even like Reese's Buttercup, so that's all I need to know about him as a human being. Yeah, no, that guy. Hey, no seasoning on food. We can do Major problems, okay? We got major, major problems. If that's if, if that's representative of your opinion on anything, then uh, we 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 got major major problems. But yeah, you, Dane. Look, when the guy comes out. The stuff that he feels like he can say, he'll put it in the guy. And then some of the stuff that he he feels like, nah, even that I can't put out there. He just never says it. But even before the guide comes out and whatever he puts in there, he don't talk about none of it. And the guy don't come out until what? Like right before the draft or after? I think like, no, it, it comes out like April. Like maybe huh. like, uh, yeah, like beginning of April, I yeah. want to say. Yeah. And like I said, the stuff that he'll put in there, it never is anything that you probably couldn't find publicly. The stuff that he knows that's not public, he just doesn't say it. So I respect him more than anybody else in the game, really, because you know he's got the sources, you know he does the work, and you know he understands um, sort of how he can move the needle. You know what I mean? He's he's like a, a... in the draft world, he's like an Evan Silva in the fantasy world. Evan starts saying some stuff about players. People <laughs> can either go yeah. up or can go down <laughs> based on, on what he says. And I think it's true with Dane, too. Like, obviously not necessarily in the NFL community, but, like, public perception. Yeah, if he say something, he can move up or down. And I think those all those guys who have that platform carry that responsibility. And some people use it wisely and some people misuse it because they're just trying to, you know, have a take mm-hmm. and and kind of get themselves out there a little bit more. So that you know, people people can there's another guy I'll mention. People can can talk about him now because yeah, he's probably not what he used to be. He's certainly been surpassed. But um what's the dude's name? Mel Kuyper. Mel don't do that either, though. Mel don't talk negative about people. Now he'll have some crazy you know, in terms of like positional rankings or, <laughs> or where he thinks players are going to go. But he don't necessarily put negative shit out there about about players. So I do at least respect. Plus, he's the OG. I mean, he was doing this before anybody else was doing it in the in the public space when like nobody cared except for like individual people. And, you know, it's an industry now. So yeah. I always give him a little bit of credit for being the OG. You know, he's he's kind of. He's kind of out there now, <laughs> but he's he's still getting credit for being the OG. You know, you gotta you gotta give credit where credit is due. Um, yeah, him and that count chocula hair he got. Yeah, that's never changed. Surprisingly, <laughs> shockingly. Uh, <laughs> all right, I, that's probably a good spot to shut this thing down. Uh, you know, as always, hey, like, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend, share it everywhere. Um, Check out Carrie's Dynasty content on the Deep Cover Twitter account or even in any of our feeds. Um, so like I said, I'm sure we've all uh, retweeted it. Um, Chris, you know, has teased the, the wide receiver prospect watch coming, coming, coming soon. Um, 
that's going to be definitely something to check out. And uh, we'll have this out uh, probably tomorrow. Like I said, recording Thursday. So probably put it out Friday. Um, and you'll get a two-parter. Yes, you'll get two for you'll yeah. get two for the price of one, man. And uh, you know that's how we do. We might we we not we might not be here for a long time, but we're here for a good time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so not be the most regular. Oh, man, they don't record. I mean, hey, don't worry about that. It's gonna be a good time when we do that. Right. That's the yes, thing sir. That you keep in mind. You're gonna have fun. You're gonna you know you're gonna enjoy it, and we always have fun um, and and enjoy you know talking with each other. So. Hey, y'all be good. We're gonna get up out of here. Until next time. Better choose the right one or pick pick the kitties up.